Uh, the Hitler paradox. You mentioned that. Do you want to talk about that one? If you went back in time and killed Hitler, mm-hmm. then Hitler never would have committed his atrocities. Mm-hmm. And then you would have no reason to go back in time and kill Hitler. The end. So it's like, is he or isn't he? <laughs> well, and what makes what saddens me is that even if you did go back and kill Hitler, there's probably someone else. Yeah, that's that's like the super messed up part is that like some sometimes like the theory that time will sort of correct itself, mm-hmm. um, like it would make things happen regardless. So, the, you know, it just could have been some other horrible dictator and maybe it happened five years later or something. Welcome to Speculative Sandbox, your audio playground for creative storytellers. My name is Vicki Lon, and each episode, I and a guest will unpack a fiction trope with an eye for character development and narrative structures. Make sure to look for Speculative Sandbox on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, where you can join the conversation. Leave comments or questions, or let us know what other tropes we should cover. When the real world just doesn't cut it, let's get lost in a fictional one. If you could travel back to any time period, when would it be? Guest writer Caitlin Fisher and I discuss this question, as well as tackle the tangled and complex topic of time travel. From the MCU's multiverse to the grandfather paradox, how can writers explore time travel in their work? And can we do our own time travel right now with our memories? Caitlin Fisher, Thank you for joining me on Speculative Sandbox. I am so excited to have you here. Can you please introduce yourself and share some projects that you're working on with me and the listeners? Yes, absolutely. So hello, I am Caitlin. I am an anti-capitalist creative and writing coach, um, which always gets a few eyebrows. Like, huh, interesting. Okay. Um, And what that means is that I work with creatives and writers to like unpack the hustle culture and like internalized capitalism that leads to perfectionism and self-sabotage and like always like second guessing and trying to make everything like palatable for a larger market. I encourage people to just make weird stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. I I can definitely speak to the hustle culture and like the anxiety that it creates. Yeah. And even like as a coach who works on like anti-hustle and like recovery from burnout and stuff, like I'll still sort of catch myself like in the little hustle mode. Like it's a process. We're always learning. <laughs> gotcha. And what is what would you say is like your golden advice for people that are kind of going through, you know, getting their book out there? Oh boy. Um, I would say, so I tend to work with beginner writers. And the thing that we work on most of all is that the first draft doesn't have to be good. That's like, a good advice. Yes, that's what we've been working on a lot lately. Um, I have a cohort of writers going through a program that I run and everybody's, I think everybody's working on a first draft. And so there's a lot of like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm submitting what I have. Like, I'm sorry if it's not good. And like, it's always great. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you can see like what you're trying to do here, you know, and maybe you need to like, hone in on like dialogue or something or like, you know, more paragraph breaks. But overall, I think people know how to tell stories and people are inherently creative, but like the comparison Mm. and like, it's, it's scary because you'll compare your first draft to like your favorite author's finished work. Mm -hmm. And you didn't get to see all of what went into that. Like, it didn't, it didn't always look like that is what I, like yes. what I try to say, like Stephen King had a rough draft and it was worse than, than you think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is fantastic advice. Cause I, I have friends who are just terrified to start because they're, I think they're worried that perfectionism of getting it right the first time. And I think, you know, when, when you kind of grow up and you have to write papers in school and there's like all this pressure of getting like the perfect five paragraph essay graded, you know what I mean? Like straight out the yep. gate. Um, that creates an expectation, a default expectation that when it's time to actually write is still ingrained and being able to break that when, while you're also being really vulnerable, it's, it's tough. And it's really nice to know that there's coaches like you that kind of help people through that process. Yeah, it is really tough because a lot of the people that I work with, 
um, tend to be neurodivergent, um, which typically there's a lot of overlap with like the gifted kid in school. So, and I was a person who I didn't, I didn't know rough drafts. Like I didn't know her. And like when I turned in a rough draft in school, it was basically the final draft. I just, you know, wrote it in pen instead of typing it. I, I was never like a drafter. And so working on my first novel now, like I'm clearly in a revision and writing a second book it's it's different already Mm -hmm. and I'm like this is annoying because I already wrote something that was pretty good I think and I have to go in and add layers and depth and subplots (laughs) to it and I'm like I'm not used to this I'm used to just nailing it and being like cool wrote a novel yep yep well my at this point my first drafts tend to be like partial draft partial outline partial brackets where I'll be like insert cool thing here okay moving on (laughs) I just did that I like highlighted something and I was like give her a cooler title because I just yeah I'm like Mm -hmm. whatever that's for later (laughs) yep or fix this (laughs) you know I love a good fix this yep and then three months later you're like what am I fixing (laughs) you have to like remember what you were thinking so, all right, Caitlin, I have I have created some rapid fire warm up questions just to get us started. Um, some of them are general, and then some of them kind of segue into the topic. So, are you ready? I am as ready as I'm going to be. Okay. If you could teach a parrot to say anything with perfect clarity, what would it be? Oh my god, probably something like that ass though. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. I love that. Okay. Which apocalypse would you prefer, zombie or nuclear fallout? Oh, they both suck. They they, they they do both suck. suck. I guess, I guess nuclear fallout. Okay, because at least you're for now still alive and right. Like the stressful event happened, Mm -hmm. and like I don't have to run from zombies. Like I'm not a good runner. There you go. Okay, that's that's a good way of putting like looking at it. You know. Um, you're right because the zombie apocalypse continues. It doesn't right. stop. It's ongoing. There's just more and more zombies. It's like an exponential apocalypse. Whereas the nuclear Ooh. fallout, it's like it the- happened, and now you just got to avoid the fallout. Right. It's like I can hang out in a basement. I guess. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. You are a background villager in a fantasy story. What is your occupation, and what kind of information would you give the main character? Uh, I'm a matchmaker or like a witch, right? Like people come to me for like love potions and stuff. Um, and I give, I give the protagonist something, something that's really annoying in the beginning, but that becomes like really deep later. Oh, okay. About like, like, I don't know, self-love or some, I'd have to workshop it. Okay. Okay. That's great. If you could time travel to any period, what would it be? I think. So this is hard. Like, and I'm a time travel writer. (laughs) (laughs) So like, you can't go too far back because, Mm -hmm. or too far forward because the diseases will kill you Mm -hmm. or you will kill your ancestors with your diseases. There's germ problems. Yes. That's a really so, like that's point. my problem like with Outlander is like yeah. she would have she would have killed everyone with a cold. Uh-huh. Um so I think I would go maybe like 25 to 50 years in the future. Okay. And then like come back like with knowledge of like where we're headed so that I feel more prepared. Okay. All right. I'm an anxious person. <laughs> that might help. <laughs> Well, and that that idea that you just talked about, I think we'll feed into later when we talk about the rules of time travel, because yes. the idea of going forward to come to bring something back to benefit you. Um, okay. And then do you believe the saying that if time travel is ever invented, we would have known about it by now? See, that's, it keeps me up at night. <laughs> That's also come up like in my own novel, which is like, if we have time travel, are we talking about it publicly? Mm. Like, is time travel a known thing or is it a really secret under wraps thing? Mm, Yeah. Or maybe time travel can only exist between certain technological advancements like gates, right? 
And therefore, the entry point, like the, the latest you could ever go back is at the point that gate was invented. And Ooh, it hasn't been invented yet. That's hot. See, right? I like that. Okay. <laughs> I do like that. It's kind of like stargate but like a yeah. stargate through time. That's yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be? Oh my God. Um, it would be, don't listen to other people about who you're supposed to be. That's great advice. Probably good advice that we can continue telling ourselves now. Yeah, it is. I tell people that all day and they're adults. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I tell myself that all day and I'm an adult. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for answering those rapid fire warm up questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. I was like anxious about the rapid fire, but I feel good. Okay. Well, they, it's supposed to be fun, right? Can't like yeah, no wrong answers. I'm always nervous when I go on a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> are they going to expect me to have like a PhD in the thing I'm talking about? Like, oh no. I just, I just, I don't know. It's imposter syndrome. Yeah, no, I totally kick that in the face around here. I'm just like, pack it out of here, Kyle. Well, I mean, even as the host of the show, I'm like, I don't know a thing. <laughs> like, I'm just here to have fun. <laughs> so that's great. I think that's the good. best way. <laughs> okay. So what attracted you to the topic of time travel? Okay. So I love Doctor Who. And I okay. See, I told you I have ADHD. So like I tell a story and it has like 14 different points. I'm going to try, I'm going to try really hard to tell like a solid thread story here. So my partner is very into like media analysis. And so like, he is always like calling out tropes and stuff. And he's like, this is boring. This has been done before. And meanwhile, I am there with like my metaphorical bowl of popcorn. And I'm just like, I love this. I love whatever's happening on the TV. Oh, a sun flare sent them back to the 60s. That's incredible. Like, I don't care if it is, if it makes any sense. I'm just mm-hmm. like, that's interesting. I love that they, they're they playing with this. And like, my partner gets like so particular about like, oh, well, like this and that and the other thing and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't know. I love Doctor Who. I love that sometimes like there's a dinosaur in London And sometimes like he's way in the future and sometimes he's way in the past. And sometimes he has to let Pompeii happen. And like, I just think it's fun. I think it's fun to imagine what would happen if we went into the past or the future. Of course, this like typically only works for white people because like (laughs) white people can go into the past and have very little bad things happen to them. Um, You know, like, don't. Yeah. Well, even like women too, if you go back too far we are witches we're oppressed yeah like you're an outlander like like forced marriages and stuff and it's like oh no we do we do consent in my time and they're like that's funny what's that yeah burn you for even saying that word (laughs) I would absolutely be burned as a witch if I went back in time like further than like this last century I think like it would not be a good time for me like I have short hair it would just be Mm. a mess well, they'd be like, what are those glasses? You and I both have glasses. And they're like, what is this contraption? And depending on, you know, where you land, of course. Yep. No, it would not be a good time. So like, you know, the more, the more privileged you are in the now, I think the more survival you would have in, in the past. Yeah. I think I got off topic a no, lot. That's, fine. That's, a re- that's a really big point though. I've seen that being discussed on social media about like time travel isn't as accessible to everyone as we might think. In fact, kindred I believe is written yes. by Octavia Butler. Octavia I hope I have that. Octavia okay. Butler. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh God, I got that straight out of my head. I'm just trying to remember that. Um, I read that as a, um, a in a college course, and it's when a woman, a black woman, goes back in time and she's a slave, and it's terrifying, terrifying. Um, what she has to go through. I think it's a show now. On... It is. They they just made it a show. I think it's on Hulu. Okay, I'll have to it look into be, it. Might be. It might be FX though. Okay. Um. But my friend like hopped into my DMs one day and was like, uh, there's a Kindred show coming out. So I need you to read that book. So I read the book. Mm-hmm. I still haven't watched the show yet. Um, but it was like, I read it in one sitting. I think it was just really compelling. And like mm-hmm. the fact that it was, it was tied in like to her ancestry. Yeah. So this woman who's being like pulled back in time is being pulled back anytime that like her great, 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 whatever grandfather, who is a white man and a slave owner. 
is like fearing for his life and she basically has to like save him so that she can end up being born and it's like oh there's like so many layers of implication mm-hmm. to that like it's not just the surface like huh weird time travel story like she has to struggle with a lot yeah it's it's a fantastic read and it really opened my eyes to uh not every time travel experience is is going to be like fun and adventurous it's literally you're fighting for your life just for existing so that gets us into the rules of time travel And there's so many ways that time travel is explored. And I figure we can go back and forth and talk about what we've seen. Uh, One that I wanted to bring up was my favorite. It's from the book All Are Wrong Todays by Elon Mustay. And the the way that he explores time travel is at some point, and this actually uh, ties into the almost a Stargate concept that I discussed earlier, where at some point in time, they created an energy source that gets its energy from the rotation of the earth. So it's like clean energy, it powers everything. And so what they've decided to do to power the time a time travel machine is it has to follow the power signature of that Earth's rotation. Because if you travel back in time 10 years, Earth isn't where it was 10 years ago. So you're just going to show up in the black Ooh. expanse of space and die. So in this book, it's the idea of you're riding, it's almost like an invisible string that kind of gets carried through time. And anywhere you go has to be on that you know, signature of the power structure. Um, I thought that was really fascinating. Of course, you couldn't do it until that machine was invented. So yeah, that cool? that's that's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So did anyone think about Earth's location in in the, um, in no. the space? Is that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Like there's, are you familiar with Doctor Who? I am familiar. I have watched maybe one episode. I have not okay. seen it enough. All right. So like a lot of my examples are going to be Doctor Who just because it's it's timey-wimey. Okay. Um, and there's one scenario where like the doctor travels like to where Earth should be, but Earth has been taken, like physically moved from our galaxy somewhere else. And so like the TARDIS, which is his time travel device, um, just like opens out into like black space and he's like did i do it wrong and like he checks his directions his gps and everything and he's like no like earth should be here i am at the location i should be but earth is missing Mm. and so that's that made me think of of what you were talking about like you have to be in like the correct position in space as well as time yes and i like never really considered that earth is physically moving yeah so it really is like space and time. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and the other thing that he explores too, this book is, is a, it's really interesting how he kind of nitpicks on all these different little factors. One of them is in order for you to be able to travel, you need to be genetically kind of predisposed to the traveling conditions. You have to do all these, it's like astronauts, right? But you have to just, it just needs to work um, with your genetics. And this woman was getting ready to go, but then she ends up getting pregnant and it it like changes her, right? There, now like there's like one more thing to think about the calculations, the existence of a fetus, and it completely throws everything off. She's no longer allowed to time travel because they'd have to start all over. Like the baby grows. There's too many variables that are changing. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. So in my novel, the time travel is possible um with psychic abilities so it's actually a psychic ability that allows you to sort of like punch through like a memory into the past um and the time travel like is based on memory like you are going specifically to like a moment in your own past okay to change it and so yeah there's a lot of like testing and like genetic markers for psychic abilities you know some Uh of it I'm just making up yeah, sure. Go for it. But, you know, like some people do have like extra sensitivity to stuff like that. So I'm I'm not sure if there's like a genetic component um, like IRL, yeah. like in, in meat space, because, you know, I've definitely had sort of like, you know, dreams that I felt like came true. And it's like, well, am I psychic or am I just putting stuff together in my sleep kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so exploring that as sort of like a genetic thing in the novel has been has been very fun well i might uh move one of my later plan questions up now the the, I, the concept of time is memory mm-hmm. um so when i was looking up researching 
time travel, that one kept coming up. Time is memory. Time is memory. And when I, let me read what I, I wrote. It's the idea that experience unfolds continuously in time, but we remember discrete sequences of events so that, that you know, one, one foot in front of the other sequencing is how we catalog and therefore that establishes time. Um, what I used to do, and I still do, is... Like when I was a kid, I'd be like 10 years old. I'm like, I'm going to pretend I'm going to time travel to two years from now. Like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pretend. And then in two years or like five years, because I'll forget, right? I'll suddenly remember that I thought that. And then I go and I start thinking back to that moment in time. And I start th like jumping through all the memories from like all the way back. And then after I'm like in the mindset of who I was at that age, I jump back to the present. I'm like, look, I time traveled. I'm here. I it's love like it. It's like this little mind game. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, I I had not heard until like I started talking with you about this episode, the theory that time is memory. And I read um, the articles that you sent me because I was like, I need to know more. Please tell me things. <laughs> and it's it's really interesting, like that our concept of time is like shaped by our experiences and also that memories change. Mm -hmm. like every time we access a memory it's a little bit different and then that makes me think of like emdr therapy where like you go into a memory and you sort of like reprocess and like recatalog it to like process the trauma that was involved in a traumatic memory mm. and like this idea that memories are not like fixed moments in time but like every single time that you experience it they're actually a little bit different based on, you know, whatever chemicals are in your brain that day, however you're thinking about it, like whether you're thinking about it pleasantly or mm. sadly, like the, your emotional state, it's just wild. Like what memory and emotion does like while we're having thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I heard a theory that sometimes when you think back to a memory, you're thinking back to the last time you thought of it. Like it's hard to recover the original memory in its like purest form. That's wild. Human brain is wild and I'm obsessed with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's so interesting. Okay. So I was going to jump into different time travel structures okay. and how, how it's tracked. Okay. So the first one I have is if you're about to leap into the past, then it already happened. It's the self-contained <laughs> loop. So sorry, my dog oh, is barking. That's okay. <laughs> what kind of dog do you have? She's a corgi. Oh. <laughs> so the self-contained <laughs> loop, that makes me think of Avengers Endgame in the fact that they created change, which created a new present. But then it like it like re it like reshuffles the deck within that existing timeline. But then you also have MCU's exploration of you change something in the past and it splits off into a, a multiverse. So, yes. and maybe I'm interpreting that incorrectly, but I feel like there's one where it's self-contained in the timeline and it like re reconciles anytime you make a change. And then the other one is that you just branch off completely. Yeah. It's like Endgame versus Loki. Uh-huh. So like yeah. in Loki, there's, you know, like branches coming off and everything. And it's like, oh no, we have to go stop these. I forget what they call them, aberrations or something. Mm, uh, um, uh, variants? Variants. Yeah. Aberrations I got really into Loki. Word. Um, I was also very into Loki because I was like, ooh, time travel. Mm -hmm. And I just soak it up. And my partner's like, this is dumb. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, okay. So starting with this, the self-contained reconciliation within the timeline, it's like, there's like two ways about it, it seems. There's the, it, it if it, it it all happens, right? You you it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Or you make a change and then the deck shuffles and everything is contained. My thought is for the one where it's like for example, if you're if you find out that the future is destined to be a certain way, but then something happens that prevents you from doing whatever action that would have fulfilled that original future, now the pressure's on for you to correct it and fix it. That yeah. seems much more stressful to me than if I had the freedom to just do whatever I want back in time and then the timeline will just kind of adjust, kind of like back to the future. Yeah, where it just sort of like fixes 
uh-huh. itself. Um, or is it both? Or is it the same? Now I'm confusing myself. It's because it's confusing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in Endgame, right? Like, let's let's pick a stone. Okay. <laughs> like, let's do the purple one. Is that the one that Star Lord got? Sure. I'm not very good at the stones. Okay. I don't remember. Well, let's you do just say the green one. The green one. The okay. time one. Okay. So, like, the Hulk goes back to pre Stephen Strange time to get the time stone from Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, obviously, you cannot have this. And he's like, but but Dr. Strange told me to. And she was like, oh, well, that's a horse of a different color. Here you go. So like she knew that if he had like directed this to happen, that it would get fixed or something. Mm. Right. So like that, that one's very interesting to me because she is very smart and aware of all of this magical stuff, especially around time, because she's the keeper of the time stone. So allowing him to take that like interrupts what actually happened. But then their plan is when they're done doing all their shit and Thanosing that they come back to this exact moment and put it back like Indiana Jones style, like just whoop. Yes. And so that happens with like every stone. But that like then Black Widow dies so like mm-hmm. how do we reconcile that? Because like she wasn't dead in the original timeline and like now she's dead, but as long as the stone is back, it's fine. So like the timeline's slightly adjusted. It's like the outcome is different. Uh-huh. You know, Thanos lost this time. Yes. But the stones are back. So like which which parts of time had to be and it's because if the stones weren't in those places for Thanos to get them, then they never would have made this plan to have to go back and get them to beat Thanos. It's it's just a big ball of confusion. So, but to me, that's a very proactive time travel uh, approach, right? So we have to do these things to fix it. And we're using time travel to fix it. Versus, mm-hmm. oh my God, Caitlin we have to time travel to make this work. I've just been informed that actually the the timeline insists that we go back and that's the only way forward. Like there is no way forward. The only yeah. way forward is backward. Rather than it being like an innovative solution, like, hey, we're going to use time travel. Does that make sense? Like the difference? It does. It does. And I think that that is what happened, right? Because Dr. Strange was like, okay, there's one scenario where we win. And they're like, great, what is it? And he's like, oh, I died. <laughs> um and obviously you know he's the time guy so we can assume there's some time involved and then you know we cut to tony stark being like no time travel is impossible and then i don't know where he's like jk i figured it out so i think that like that one way for them to win was always going to involve time travel what happens if we mess up like i don't know everybody's just just dead (laughs) everybody dies nothing changes i guess uh, than the like yeah because you violated the time expectation yeah it was what your goal was and destiny was then you failed and and now my brain hurts yeah okay so do you do you read stephen king i have read some of his stuff okay so he has a time travel book um it's called 11 63 love that one yes Mm-hmm. And he describes the past as obdurate. Okay. Which I listened to the audiobook. And once you've heard the word obdurate like 17 times, you're like, you need a new word, my guy. <laughs> but what that means is like anytime that the main character like was going to change something that would have affected history, like time like resisted it, like tried to get in his way. Like he went. I loved that. So good. It was really, really well done. Like, you know, so he's going to like stop somebody from doing something and like, oh, all of a sudden there's a car cuts him off and the guy gets away. Like time wants to move forward as it already has. Mm -hmm. So in that Mm -hmm. sense, like changing the timeline takes great, great effort. Whereas in Loki, you can just like pop around and be like, whoop, I messed stuff up everywhere. It's so easy. Yep. 
I loved that about Stephen King um, because it was such a living, breathing character of mm-hmm. the time itself. Yes. And you're right. Like he's trying to get to some place and it's like the minute the time gods or whatever caught on that he had a goal that was going to ripple and have effects. That's when a tree would fall in his way. You know, yep. and it like, as you said, a car gets in the way, um, a parade gets in his way, like all it's super interesting and kind of scary when you start to then think of the timeline as a, 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 a presence the character itself. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you are affecting time. I, I really enjoyed that. Any other examples you could think of where it's within a contained loop? So my other contained loop is Stargate again. Um, Have you watched it? I have not. Okay. So there is an episode where a solar flare, um, when the team goes through the Stargate, which is like a a wormhole device. So it takes you to another Stargate, not through time, just through space. It's like you can travel to planets on the other side of the galaxy in like one second. Um, But as the team is going through it, there's a solar flare. And so it like bent them back into the same Stargate they just left. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 40 years in the past or something. And they're like, oh, weird. What just happened? And then uh, they notice that like one of the people questioning them is actually their general like their commanding officer but he's like a private you know like he's very young and he finds in their effects a handwritten note in his own handwriting that the general had given one of the characters before they left because like he so the general noticed a cut on samantha carter's hand remembered that in the 60s he met samantha carter with a cut on her hand and he found this note in her jacket so he wrote the note to himself in the past put it in her jacket and then younger him found it and helped them get back to their correct time and it's like what like what happened first because that obviously happened when he was young before he ever met them Uh uh-huh interesting i was fascinated okay that brings up the let me go find my notes again there's a paradox that talks about that it's called the bootstrap paradox when an object person or piece of information is sent back in time results in an infinite loop where the object has no discernible origin and exists without ever being created does that relate okay i think so because if he didn't receive it's like the idea if he didn't receive or drop off the paper that it for her to have received to then get back and like where does it start i guess right like if that paper wasn't there he wouldn't have helped them in the 60s and so they never would have got back to like their regular time the stargate may never have been discovered or they would never have been part of the program Hmm. yes interesting Very. okay do you want to hear some other paradoxes yes Okay. One, the Hitler paradox. The Yes, related. The p- grandfather paradox. What if you traveled to the past and killed your grandfather? You would never have been born and could not have been able to travel to the past. Right. And so if you weren't born and able to travel to the past, then you never did. And then your grandfather's alive. Uh-huh. So you definitely want don't want to do that. But like what you were saying about bacteria, how you can infect everybody. Yeah. And kill them that way. Yep. Because... Um, you know, our bacteria and viruses have evolved. It's like, you know, every time we have a flu that evolves so that it can reinfect us once we become immune to like the current flu. Yeah. So, you know, but as we're living it, they are adjusting and evolving gradually. But if you went like 200 years in the past, mm-hmm. your bacteria are way too far advanced and they would duke it out and these are stronger. Yeah. And you could start a whole pandemic. Yeah. Like you could literally come back to your present time and find a complete, like a, another plague happened. And what if York COVID home. is time travel? Maybe. There you go. Yeah. Somebody went back in time. There's something. COVID's fine in like 200 years. COVID's just like the cold. And then they were like, oh, I'm just going to go back to 2020. And then they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, the Hitler paradox. You mentioned that. Do you want to talk about that one? Yes. So that is like, if 
if you went back in time and killed Hitler, mm-hmm. then Hitler never would have committed his atrocities. Mm-hmm. And then you would have no reason to go back in time and kill Hitler. The end. So it's like, is he or isn't he? Mm. Interesting. Well, and what makes what saddens me is that even if you did go back and kill Hitler, there's probably someone else. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's like the super messed up part. Is that like some sometimes like the theory that time will sort of correct itself mm-hmm. um like it would make things happen regardless so the you know it just could have been some other horrible dictator and maybe it happened five years later or something mm-hmm. yeah and like i don't like saying like oh like the holocaust is a fixed point in time you can't change it like that's not my goal here but I think just with the state of the world and like the, the political scenarios that like Hitler was developing, like I think somebody else just would have finished what he started. That is the scary part. Yeah. Um, Okay. Here's a third paradox. It's called the Polchinski paradox. It's in this example, they're using a billiard ball. I guess you could just say a spaceship enters a wormhole and emerges out the other end in the past just in time to collide with its younger version and stop it from going into the wormhole in the first place. What? So apparently when I was reading up on this, it was like a lot of physicists actually like study this one. Oh, wow. Um, and clearly I had a hard time wrapping around my, my, wrap my head around time travel in the first place. I'm not even going to try to wrap my head around like, this right. It's like time, time travel, travel and advanced <laughs> physics and wormholes. It's fine. But I, part of me is like, that doesn't that require a lot of math? Well, I guess. Yeah. Well, cause if you come out and the idea is that time kind of starts to go backwards at the same rate in which it was going forwards. And I guess, yeah, you could be sent out the same rate that you were went in and yeah you could i guess run into yourself yeah i could see it i don't understand it i'll get i'll get to work on my phd in applied physics (laughs) okay um the multiverse any comments that you have about the multiverse format to me it seems the easiest right like just kind of any any change to the timeline just sort of shunts you off into a new Mm-hmm. version like so the past remains intact and you have now created like universe 1a mm-hmm. universe 1b universe 1c like everything is still the same except like that thing that you changed yes so then my question is let's say i decide to time travel to 1970 at the point in which i disappear and create a new timeline branching out from that 1970 that i start what happens to me present in this existing universe yeah I don't know. Like, do you just disappear? Are they like, oh, RIP Vicky. She time traveled. So she's somewhere else now. So then that would be like a negative, like in like positives and negatives. Yeah. So I guess, okay. If that were the case, like a time funeral, people would be like, Vicky's not here anymore. Vicky basically died in this timeline to go live somewhere else. Rude. Well, (laughs) What about that rule where, like, you don't want to run into yourself in other multiverses? Well, you can go to that multiverse, that universe, because I left it. True, true. That's very Rick and Morty. I haven't, you know, I hear so much about Rick and Morty, and I have not seen it. It's I, I re- it's okay that you haven't seen it. Oh, I just know that it's been like it's gotten some un un unfavorable press coverage lately because of their one of their creators. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so I think that Rick and Morty like has some funny things to say and has like some important things to say but the attraction of like a very toxic fan base uh makes it hard to enjoy publicly gotcha okay (laughs) but um there's an episode where like something goes wrong and they've essentially like destroyed everyone on the planet Mm. um, by like turning them into god what are they called Cronenbergs I want to say and so everybody's got like extra limbs and and heads and stuff and Rick just like opens up a portal to another dimension and takes Morty through and he's like we live here now 
um because ourselves in this universe just blew themselves up in the garage with an experiment gone wrong and so he just like leaves the universe like behind and is like cool we're here now we live here now Hmm. and they just sort of take the place of the them that died interesting yes there's a lot of multiverse in rick and morty it seems like if there was a multiverse and you had access to said multiverse you would care very little about consequences yeah i think that that's fair i think that people who could travel between um multiverses would like lose touch with humanity Mm -hmm. because like to them it's like well whatever like there's infinite of you like it doesn't it doesn't matter yes it's like a sim game where you just like each universe you're experimenting and trying something out yeah i don't love it that one that one feels like it could go toxic really fast. well i i also think that the multiverse concept itself feels very ego-based because like what hinges on your personal decision like if you just take a snapshot in time of one family even and any little thing that they could have done differently like when they made a choice does that mean now you've got 20 different multiverses that just sprouted from that little moment yeah that's possible too that's there's a rick and morty thing about that as well oh, like, is there? yeah rick uh gives his daughter this pair of goggles that like lets you see your life in different universes um and so beth his daughter is like cycling through and she's like oh i'm a i'm a doctor like i'm this i'm that um and then Jerry, who's her husband, takes them and like he's an actor in, in one universe and blah, blah, blah. And then their daughter takes them and puts them on and she has trouble like finding one. And it's because in those universes, they had an abortion. Oh, OK. So that that gives you so much more also because they're effectively like living their best lives in the universe where they didn't have kids. OK. Gotcha. So that causes a whole bunch of like screw this she like goes she starts like packing a backpack she's like i'm going to the southwest and i'm gonna do something with turquoise like (laughs) she's like i'm out of here you don't love me um and yeah it's it it's so annoying because the show gets so deep on stuff and then you just Mm -hmm. have a bunch of toxic dude bros being like rick's awesome when it's like canonical that rick is a terrible person Interesting. Well, that got me thinking then about everything everywhere all at once. I haven't seen that yet. It's okay. So it's, I watched it. And again, I'm not very, I don't know things. (laughs) So the best I could do is just wrap my head around like what I believe it's about. And I didn't do a whole lot of study before this episode. Um, But from what I'm remembering, it's, it's about, you know, it's, it's pondering the purpose of life especially when you see all the different iterations of who you are and could be across all the universes, all the realms of possibility, and what does the meaning of life ultimately mean? And I believe it comes down to, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to have to edit my, this portion because I need to go everything, everywhere, all at once philosophy, because it's about the bagel or the googly eye, which is, it's, um, I believe it's like the idea of nihilism, like everything is overwhelming and nothing matters, right? Um, It's pointless. It's devoid of all meaning. And I believe that is what the bagel represents, like the outer part. And then the inner part is the googly eye. And the googly eye represents existentialism, the human pursuit to create meaning for themselves, So I thought that was a really interesting way of kind of, you know, using a multiverse to like, when you become so over, over inundated with all these possibilities and you ask yourself, like, what is the point of all this stuff? Well, the point is like, what do you, whatever you make out of your own life? You know, uh, I wasn't able to become the movie star in this world. I'm a failure in this other world. I'm just working at a laundromat with my husband that I'm annoyed with, you know, and trying to find inner purpose. Well, you're not going to get it from the universe. You need to find meaning within this is fantastic and i have to go watch it it's good i i, I it's on my list it. and this is like the second time in two days that somebody's mentioned it to me yeah i mean it makes good. sense that you're mentioning it on our time travel multi yeah. <laughs> podcast but 
yeah just... i probably did a terrible job describing it so definitely go go check it out and it's up for awards or won awards um i haven't been very up to date on my pop culture okay i don't pay attention to awards anyway if you're like it won an emmy i'm like great i probably won't watch it for six years now <laughs> well have you heard of the the curse of like academy award wins for certain things like after someone wins an academy award they can't they like go off the map they just disappear i there's like a curse i don't know anyway okay so we've mm -hmm. gone over different types of formats have i missed any um rules or structures um i don't think so i mean i guess maybe we could the time turner and harry potter mm. is sort of like like taking like yourself back in time but i'm also not clear on like how you get back to where you were oh yeah like so you know Are there are two hermione's existing in that hour right so like like you yeah. turn it three times you go back three hours so you can like do stuff at the end of that three hours you like pop back to where you were when you turned it oh yeah so then you it's like you fill the void once that yeah i'm not 100 percent sure on on how that works and also i don't i'm trying to like stop using harry potter references for things because jk rowling sucks um, but like at the same time, it's so ubiquitous and like, everybody's going to know when I'm like, yeah, you know, like the time turner. So yeah. that's, a, that is a good example though. Um, on like a small scale, like how time travel can be used for like the everyday. Yeah. And not some like, you know, end of the world stakes kind of expectation. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> that's what mine's about sort of too, is like, if you could go like kind of butterfly effect, like one moment in your life to mm -hmm. change the rest of it like you get to change one thing one moment by traveling through it psychically and like being like no turn left um yeah that'd be a really cool tool for therapy it's therapy in my book <laughs> oh, okay okay <laughs> yeah it's used by like a futuristic therapy agency i love that i i feel like that would be so helpful especially when people with trauma have a hard time remembering an event yes being able to actually go back to it yes so um yeah you're nailing like all the things that, like I've worked on because it's about trauma healing through like psychic time travel um and there's like virtual reality components where you can sort of like imagine like the scene as it would have happened differently and there's you know like all these layers like you have to go through like paradox interviews and stuff and like timeline interviews to make sure that like you won't be affecting something that ripples too big and mm -hmm. so it's very like it's almost mundane because it's just like oh yeah well no you're gonna go back and you're gonna come home from work two hours early that day and like stop your dog from eating that bag of chocolate or whatever like you can use it for small things you can use it for traumas but one of the things I came up against when I was like doing it for trauma work was if you go back and like change something that traumatized you in childhood, there are so many like neural pathways that have shaped your entire life that like you could have a completely different life, like be a completely different person, like without that thing happening. And also like, where can you isolate it? You know, so like if if you just sort of like lived a traumatic childhood, it's not like your trauma happened at age seven and it was one moment. So that's the challenge in using the technology in in like in this setting in my novel to work with trauma. Like it, it has to be something that's like one singular event. Mm, okay. And so like that's that's where the trouble is. But that's also why like the therapy part is there. And there's like the VRs, so like you can go explore as many things as you want and get healing without the time travel part, which is sort of like what their end game ends up being is they're like, let's, let's quit fucking with time. Mm. Um, you know, but there's room for a sequel. It sounds we'll awesome. It'll be bigger and badder and they'll have to <laughs> blow up the world or something. There you go. There you go. But I think that that speaks to a lot of people. And I really love how I feel like this current generation has been doing a lot of trauma healing in their art, um, even from like, you know, Disney with um, Encanto and um, 
turning red are all dealing with family traumas and intergenerational trauma. And uh, my book that's currently on submission talks about mother-daughter trauma, you know, so it's just, it's nice that we can all kind of come out and kind of share that. Um, So why do you think time travel resonates so much with readers and viewers? I think because it allows you to imagine like so much more, you know, like if you read fantasy about princes and princesses and knights and dragons and stuff, you're like, okay, yeah. Like, what would I do if I lived there? Or, you know, would I be a knight or would I be a blacksmith or, or whatever. But like with time travel, it's not just like, what would I do if I went through a fairy ring in Scotland and ended up in the 18th century? It's like, how could I use that time travel to change my life, to change history? Like there's there's a lot of imagination that can come from it. And I think that really appeals to people. Mm-hmm. And also the idea that like, like we matter, like in this time and space right now, we matter, we are inevitable is really powerful for me, at least to be like, no, like I do matter right here. Like it doesn't matter what my multiverse Caitlin is doing. Like, am I happy? Yeah. Like, I hope they're happy too, but am I happy right here? Like, I don't want to compare myself. I'm going to be like, oh, that one's a lawyer. Like, that sounds tiring. I'm happy. Well, and if we, the solution to like unhappiness is to go back and fix it. Could we apply that to us now? And like, mm-hmm. like right now, I'm like, okay, I foresee in the future that this thing could happen and be bad. What can I do now uh, to, to prevent it or fix it? And what's funny is that I, I saw this too. Someone else brought this up online somewhere where they're like, we tend to think so low of our ability to create change in the now. But yet when we talk about time travel movies and going back, the butterfly effect shows that we're worried about changing one tiny thing yeah that we're actually a little more powerful than we think so applying that uh philosophy to our actions today would then therefore have a really big effect in our future path i guess yeah so like a lot of my coaching work like whether it's with clients or like people working on their business or something is like i will say like let's time travel Like, let's think six months in the future. Let's think a year in the future. Like, what does that version of you know? And then how can you take action on that now? Because like when I do vision work or something, people get like really stressed out. They're like, well, I don't know like what I want to do in 10 years. I don't know what my 10 year plan is. And I'm like, you don't have to know exactly. You have to know the direction so that your steps today make sense. Like, 10 years are going to pass they can pass on purpose mm-hmm. or you can just get 10 years older and so in a way I guess life coaching is time travel uh, yeah that's really great advice uh I used to tell my friends in the past like when we were in college and it, it seemed like we had like all these projects going on and I was like well like you know if you're going to go to grad school if you're going to go to this if you're going to go to that and everyone goes god but it's four years and i'm like well that time's going to pass whether you do it or not so you might as well do it and that's usually always my advice when someone says should i do this it takes time i'm like well you might as well the time's gonna go yeah if your only hold like hold up is how much time it takes Mm -hmm. you may as well because like the time's gonna pass yep yeah, yep. but like we get we get so hung up on like, oh, I need to do this by the time I'm 30 and and stuff like that. Like, no, yeah. like who cares? You can start at any time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you can't be an Olympic gymnast because you haven't been training since you were two. Mm-hmm. Like, but that doesn't mean that you can't go take a gymnastics class for adults right now. Like that That's doesn't true. mean that you can't go take a a dance class like I'm looking for salsa lessons in my area nice everything is for kids around me it's like oh kids dance classes I'm like no I want adult salsa lessons and they're like we can teach you how to waltz like this is not what I want (laughs) that's so funny I'm trying to like embrace the inner creative but it's it's not giving me salsa (laughs) so you have great advice for 
how writers can manage their time and look at time and set their goals. Do you have advice for writers who want to write about time travel? Yes, I do. And that advice is do not get stuck in the weeds of explaining all of the technical ways that your time travel works. Like we just did this whole hour. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like you don't have to like explain the theoretical physics behind it. Like, unless that's part of it, like in Stargate, part of that is that it's like a scientific discovery. And so you have like astrophysicists in here, like explaining, oh, well we do blah, 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 blah. And this is how fast we can travel. And this is how far away the galaxies are like, but that's like part of the storytelling. And you can obviously like talk about it in the storytelling, but you know, in my first draft, I'm like, well, we have the paradox department. And in that department we go through and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, sometimes the reader doesn't care about Mm. all of the details that you've thought about. Yeah. So, and also it can be a big distraction to writing. If you're like, oh, well, how exactly does it work? Cause I need to make sure that if somebody's looking for plot holes, they can't find any. And my advice to that is just love it so hard that it does not matter. Yes. That's really great advice. And the over explaining thing, that was one of the most remarkable things I learned. I had um, an editor who was essentially my writing coach a couple of years back. I learned that it you don't need so much to get your reader's imagination going. Yes. A big mistake is when you start to over explain every single thing because you think they need that assistance and actually they don't. Yeah. That was a big part for me too. I'm working with a writing coach right now. And they've been able to like highlight some stuff and be like, this is a little info dumpy. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to go like so deep here. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's kind of like going back to like show, don't tell. Yeah. Like, and I'm also working in some sort of like flashbacks to the invention of the technology. Okay. So you can like see it play out, like why these rules are in place in like the present time of the novel, because of the absolute chaotic drama that happened like when it was invented and like the the person who like accidentally jumped through time like working on like memory work um was like oh crap I totally like imploded everything um so we need some rules yeah well I I don't helps foreshadows right yeah yes it's tasty yes (laughs) well and and yeah, finding that balance between what is good info dumping, I guess you can say, or too much. But that's the beauty of the first draft, right? Because you're yeah. telling yourself everything. So expect to make those mistakes and then you clean it up in the subsequent drafts. Yep. My first draft did not have psychics. Oh. Yeah. It just kind of like was a thing that worked. And go. I'm like, but how would it have come about? And I was like, you know what? We're going to put some psychics in it. There you go. I love that. I think it's better now. Good for you. It, I, I bet it is. Which, okay, what draft? How do you number your drafts? Um, I'm calling this one like version two. Okay. That's kind of similar. To, it sounds like similar to what I'm, how I number mine too. Yeah. All right. Uh, any last remarks about time travel? Any Anything you want to share? Just that it's awesome and you can be so imaginative and like whether you want to travel forward in time or backward like just have fun with it like use it as a creative outlet rather than trying to make it a scientific like explanation of the technology like and don't get lost in the weeds just have fun with it and how can our listeners find you you can find me on Instagram at Caitlin Liz Fisher. And that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Like I'm on Facebook as well. Um, I'm Caitlin Fisher there. And I also have a podcast called the Neurodivergent Creative Podcast. Are you taking on more clients? I sure am. Um, <laughs> I have I have three ways that I work with people. There's one-on-one work. Um, which is like the most in-depth and we meet once a week and like go through goals and stuff. And that's typically like writers or business owners who want to work with me. And then I have a book incubator program um, called Working Title. And that's a 12-month program to write your first draft. That will reopen for enrollment, I want to say like in the spring. 
And then I have a monthly membership that's only $47 a month, which is honestly pretty dope. And that's called the Creatives Rebellion. And we just sort of are immersed in like unlearning hustle culture and productivity culture. And we just have fun and make weird stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you, Caitlin, so much for joining me. It's been so much fun. Yes, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Speculative Sandbox is a volunteer-run podcast that relies on the collaboration of fellow creators like you. Join the conversation and participate in fun polls and questionnaires on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Interested in being in a future episode? Our DMs are open, or you can email speculativesandbox at gmail.com.